I feel very blessed to have met Dr. Kylie, who has taken the time to help educate practitioners on how to simplify any practice. The 90-day program has completely changed the way I practice as it's helped me work smarter rather than insanely harder. Dr. Angela Ram. Dr. Kylie wants you to be successful. She simplifies information that allows you to apply it right away. She's accessible and responds quickly when a question arises. Again, she wants you to succeed and everything she offers reflects that. Renee, who is also in the 90-day program, reports this. Now, these are just a few examples of what can happen inside your practice and therefore your life when you jump inside the next 90-day program. Join us on October 4th and come see what can happen when you say yes. This podcast is sponsored by my favorite supplement companies, Systemic Formulas and My Biome. If you're not using them in your practice, you should be. Come join me inside their fit private Facebook group for practitioners called Systemic Formulas Clinical Nutrition. For everybody else, you can join them on Instagram. All right, let's dive in and get started. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. I have a very special guest today, like all guests, but this one's very special because her and I are in a mastermind group together. And we've been talking and saying chit chats here and there, but this is the first time we've been able to walk in and sit down and have a conversation. And we've been talking for the last 20 minutes of it's about time we click record. So here we go. Dr. Betsy Greenlee is the guest today, and she is a pelvic health and vagina health specialist. She's going to walk us through a little bit of her background, how she got to where she is today, and then stay tuned because we have a very incredible answer to if she were to lose everything, what would she do starting from here and there? All right, Dr. Bexie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking with you. Yeah, you, so you got into pelvic health and, and vaginal health specifically with the, of the summit you're doing called Happy Vagina Rally. So check out that website, guys, happyvaginarally.com. It's happening in the fall of 2022. Um, you can also find more of her information at pelvicfloorstore.com. But vaginal health and pelvic health, why? Yeah, you know what? It's funny I, how I ended up in it I, it was kind of by, by a fluke. I actually started off in general surgery and I was one of the people that walked around on my general surgery rotations and I wanted to connect with the patients. I would talk to them like, so how are you feeling now that your gallbladder's out? Like, how are you feeling that your appendix is out? So I started realizing that those surgeons are amazing people that my personality didn't really mesh. Like I wanted to have more of a relationship with my patients. So then I actually switched into gynecology, but I wanted to do more of the pelvic health and less of the delivering the babies. And I found urogynecology. And so I ended up doing a fellowship training in that. And when I first came home and my mom was like, oh, well, what's urogynecology? She thought it was like some kind of fancy, like designer gynecology, like Euro Disney or something. And it has, uro has to do with urology, like the bladder and gynecology, the pelvic organ. So it was a combination of the, of the two. So so you yeah. went urogynecology. Yeah. Explain what, explain in a little bit more in detail what that is. 
Yeah, so urogynecology is an offshoot of either you do a residency training in obstetrics and gynecology and then go on to do the fellowship or you do a, a training in urology having to deal with the bladder and urinary health. And so urogynecology tends to cover things like bladder health, prolapse, sometimes women after they've had babies or if, you know, even if they've lifted heavy objects, things can kind of start drooping and dropping. Their pelvic organs can start kind of going south. Um, we take care of those things. Urogynecologists also do um, recurrent urinary tract infections, pelvic pain, incontinence, so leaking if you cough, laugh, sneeze, or have a problem getting to the bathroom. So those are the topics that we usually take care of. And there's only about 1,500 urogynecologists across the country. It's a pretty new specialty in the world of medicine and that it's pretty much only started in the 1970s. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be a board examiner for the um, American College of Osteopathic OBGYN and actually the first female board certified in uh, urogynecology. So you are the leader of the pack. Yes. Any more coming after you. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Um, walk us through one of your most favorite patient health stories, the transformation that happened there and how you helped them get there. You know, it's interesting because over my training and, and period of time, you kind of develop this pattern of how you do things. And you, you know, the things that you were taught in medical school are completely different from the things when you get out in the practice. And you, you, you first, you come out of medical school and training and you're like, I know everything. And the more you go along in practice, you realize, oh my gosh, I really don't know that much. And you actually teach yourself as you go along. That's why so, they call it a practice. I know, exactly. And so I think in some ways we've gotten away from the art of medicine, you know, as more we focus on like evidence-based medicine, because there's some things you just can't empirically prove. And so there definitely becomes an art to things. And so what I found as I was going through practice and where my, my kind of passion began was with vaginal health. And so I would get patients that had recurrent vaginal infections. And it's interesting. I just last year in what was it? 2021 had to give a lecture on how to diagnose vaginitis. And, but I had to give it from the standpoint of what is considered the gold standard. And so I went back and researched, okay, well, what's the gold standard? And I realized the gold standard is still stuff that was taught in the 1950s that were really still incredibly behind when there's newer technology out there. And I feel like there's, you know, there's some of us who have developed even more advanced thinking about this. And so all right, so go back to my favorite transformation story is I get the person who comes in the office and they're getting recurrent vaginal infections and you know their doctors are sticking by the traditional medicine and doing the traditional tests. And we were always taught in medical school that vaginitis is caused by one bacteria, Gardnerella, and that, that's it. And so you know, the tests that they do when they look under the microscope or they do some horrible tests called the WIF test, it's where you actually take a little bit of vaginal secretions and you put potassium hydroxide on it. And if it smells like fish, then it's, the then it's a bacterial test, smell. Yeah. Test, huh? Yeah. You actually have to smell it. And so when you're like pulling this thing up to your nose, you're like, Whoa, okay, that's it. 
when we real, I realized that there were so many women that when I did it the old way, like they weren't getting better or they were coming back again and again and again. And so over time, I started realize, started looking into like making more connection to what's going on in the body. So my favorite transformation is the person that comes in who's gone through all the traditional testing and has realized like nothing's working. And then they're usually coming to me after they've seen like five or 10 other practitioners. And I'm like, okay, we need to look into a bunch of other things. And so the number one thing that I absolutely love to do is I've been testing for vaginal microbiome for about 15 years, 12 to 15 years. And that's still not considered standard. So that's just still not. Like we said, the standard way of medicine is 50 yeah. years. Behind. 50 years. And the like, law doesn't follow it much faster. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm considered, you know, outside of the standard of care by testing the vaginal microbiome. And so there are swabs and companies that will, will look at this. And you can see that the bacteria is it, most vaginitis is not caused by one bacteria it's usually a whole whole bunch of bacteria that's throwing everything's out of whack and then even more interesting so i started treating those patients and they were starting to get better because we would go okay wait a minute so we'd get rid of the gardnerella with the traditional medicines and then they'd still have symptoms you come back and we're like okay wait a minute they still have these other bacteria so then we'd have to use other traditional medicines and then I'd get the patients that were stuck where they were getting recurrent yeast or these recurrent vaginitis and nothing was getting better. And I'm like, okay, I did my fancy tests and things are still not getting better. So now what? Well, then I just lo and behold, kind of stumbled on integrative and functional medicine. And I think the big light bulb moment for me was learning more about the gut microbiome and gut health. And that's where you know, I was like, <laughs> from the angels from above, like, ah, like all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, that's the connection with everything. And I'm sure like, you know, you and probably other guests, I would probably venture to say that 90% of medical conditions are either caused by or made worse by issues with the gut. So once I started looking at gut microbiome, in relationship to pelvic microbiome, then that's when I started seeing big transformations in people. The, the women that were getting the recurrent yeast infections. Well, if I went back and I looked and did stool testing to check their gut microbiome, I could probably certainly say about like 90, 95% of those women had yeast in their gut. And so that's why they were getting the vaginal infections because as women are, you know, rectum, vagina, bladder, everything. So it's all together. Right there, together. It, yeah. So, you know, okay. So what was happening is they're going to their doctor, they're getting the yeast medicine. They'd be good for maybe, you know, a week, couple weeks. And then all of a sudden it was back again. And then they get treated and it's back again. Well, well, once I started treating the gut health and getting rid of that yeast in the gut, now these people were not getting infections. And Interesting enough, it's kind of had a little personal um, involvement in this in that I've had chronic yeast infections from the time I started getting my period. And, you know, and this was, I was living on Diflucan. And so, you know, here I was doing this for my patients and not even thinking about myself until one day I got to a point in my career where I was having a lot of anxiety and, um, and just 
just really super cranky. I wouldn't say depressed, just really cranky. And then um, I was getting sick all the time. And I had, uh, I had to see an immunologist and they're like, you have a primary immune deficiency. And I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, oh, it's, it's, you know, something I wasn't taught in medical school. Well, it's genetic and it shows up in your forties and this is why you're, you're sick all the time. So one day I was like, wait a minute, I'm taking all my patients. All of a sudden I stopped and thought to myself, wait a minute, what does an immune issue have in common with anxiety, with recurrent yeast and the fact I was taking, my vitamin D was low and I was taking all this vitamin D and nothing was working. Um, and I was taking it orally. I'm like, uh, wait a minute, I should look at my gut. And you know, when, lo and behold, I did my gut testing and I had leaky gut. I had, um, I was filled with candida, like my whole microbiome was off. And so, you know, they always say, doctor, heal thyself. <laughs> you know, finally, I've gotten around to taking care of myself. And once I healed my gut, all of a sudden, haven't had a yeast infection in probably about two years. Um, my immunologist called me up last November and was like, I have good news and bad news. And I'm like, what is it? And she's like, well, the good news is your labs are all normal. The bad news is I have no explanation for how this happened. And like, I know it's because I fixed my gut, you know, I haven't been on anxiety medicine in years because of it, like it's been, it's been wonderful. So, you know, making those connections for people has been, you know, and finally doing it myself has been really amazing. Yeah. When you say fix the gut, yes. What does that entail for you? So, you know, I think there's so much that goes into that because mm -hmm. when you think about the things that affect the gut health and can throw off that bacterial microbiome balance. That's everything from stress management, which, you know, that gets a little more tricky to drinking more fluids. I mean, 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. If we, and especially if we don't drink enough fluids, that's going to throw off the gut. Um, you know, sleep, sleep plays a large role in our stress hormones. And if we're, if we're stressed, that throws off the gut. So there's definitely the lifestyle component to things, but then also specifically when I was, did my stool testing and I found this overgrowth of, um, of bacteria. For me, it started with, I actually had a high amount of H. pylori in my stomach, which for some people that, you know, that can cause, in some cases can cause stomach cancers or, or uh, indigestion. But I think about 50% of the population has H. pylori. And we know that um, H. pylori likes to live in a low acidic environment. And that in in return, the presence of the H. pylori will therefore lower your stomach acid too. So it, it wants to be there because of low acid. And then when it's there, it makes the acid lower. And then that throws off the whole microbiome anywhere south. So if you don't fix the H. pylori first, you're never going to fix anything else. And so for me, looking at the traditional way of fixing H. pylori is usually you have to do this triple therapy of antibiotics and go on like Pepto-Bismol and all these medicines that if you look at statistically don't work. So is that I, a dummy? Yeah. So I came from it from a more holistic standpoint and I ended up doing a combination of zinc carnosine to zinc helping with stomach acid production, uh, digestive. Can we, can we just pause right there too? Yeah. Because H. pylori not only affects the vaginal health, 
But it's yes. like a big culprit for acid reflux, GERD, heartburn, because of that hydrochloric acid component, the acidity inside the stomach. Yeah. And that was with me too. I was on nine different medications as a high school senior because my acid reflux was so bad. It was like closing off my esophagus and I had to go get it. My, they call it a throat scoped. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go get that a couple of times. And as soon as I ventured out into this world of holistic and alternative things, realizing that all of the decreased acid medications I was taking, like PPIs and yes, all the other things that I was, you know, taking this and then this for this for side effect and for that, for that, for that side effect and got rid of all that, replenished the hydrochloric acid, conquered the, again, the gut stuff. I haven't been on a pill in a long time and I haven't had a heart block, a heartburn in a long time either. So, and that's what I always find very frustrating to get people to understand because they're like, oh, I have heartburn. So I need to take these antacids. I'm like, the antacids are making the H. pylori worse. worse. We need to raise the acid in the stomach so you can get rid of the H. pylori because it won't want to live there. So yeah, like I, I think I was taking- So uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, wait, I have acid reflux and heartburn and yeah. I take PPIs and, and PPIs are what? What are they called? Uh, proton pump, pump inhibitors. Like well, what they stand um, like- Pepsid, Zantac, um, Pepsid AC, all those yeah. things. Yeah. Those are causing more harm yes. than benefit because we're lowering that acid level inside our gut, our stomach, makes the H. pylori flourish, makes your heartburn worse. Yes. So the way to do it is to conquer the H. pylori, replenish the hydrochloric acid. What are your favorite methods for that? So, so what, what has worked for me and my patients, I know there's multiple ways to do this is I've liked using betaine hydrochloride supplementation, mm-hmm. uh, and zinc carnosine. Those are probably the big two ones. And then using, adding digestive enzymes with that. So usually I can get like combinations of supplements that kind of have all of those together. Yep. So, yeah. And then I like to use herbs to kind of battle out whatever bacteria is there. And I've used everything from oregano oil to a berberine to some of the, the, the mixtures that the gut reviving uh, mixtures I have, have a whole, whole slew of different kinds of herbs. But I, I found typically when you put people on these like protocols for about three months, you know, unfortunately everyone wants everything fixed like I yesterday. Know. Overnight. I want overnight. But, fix. Wait, wait a second. You've been sick for 20 years. Yeah. You yeah. can't expect an overnight fix. So I, I find that you got to do these stuff for like a minimum of about three months. Okay. Now I have to say, I have not tried it though. I did have it in my office and I just never was able to talk anybody into it, but I've seen protocols using, um, using colloidal silver, um, mm-hmm. for I've the stomach. Too. Yeah. I just never got around to experiencing that. So yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different options in my, in my role. I use I use systemic formulas products. Um, we need to get you connected onto them. They're really great. Great, incredible bact- bacterial stuff, but also for gut and the microbiome. DS, Z gluten. And those are my go tos for hydrochloric acid. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're talking about fix the gut, stress management, drinking more fluids, sleep, a possible oh, need for testing, like stool and testing. diet, diet. Mm-hmm. Let's talk diet. Diet. I mean, how can I forget diet? That's probably the biggest thing. I mean, 
You know, I love the fact that standard American diet spells out the word sad, you know, and the fact that inflammatory foods are throwing off our gut microbiome terribly because we wouldn't evolve to eat like processed foods. You know, um, unfortunately, I, I always list sugar, dairy, gluten, and processed foods as the most inflammatory. Uh, I tell people that you need to be eating things that grow, walk, fly, or swim. And that Twinkies don't grow on trees. So, you know, getting like kind of deprocessing our diet and eating things that are more natural and healthy. And, you know, um, the other thing I always think about is as cave people, we didn't have refrigeration. We weren't like walking out of the cave and like, let me go to my refrigerator. I mean, refrigeration is great, but at the same time, we were, we evolved to eat more bacteria in our diets. And so how do we replenish the bacteria now? Well, fermented foods. And I, you know, I think it's so nice is that there's a lot more options of fermented foods in the supermarket than there ever was. And if you really want to have a fun hobby, which uh, that's actually a hobby I picked up during COVID when we were all shut down, I was fermenting everything. I mean, you, I made more kombucha and, and kimchi and sauerkraut than you can imagine. But, um, you know, Fermented foods are like kombucha, which is a fermented tea, um, kimchi, which is a spicy fermented uh, like cabbage, sauerkrauts, pickles. Um, I know that yogurt and the, the milk ones kind of get like I people will fight me either way on those. I kind of give those a little bit of a pass, especially if people don't have problems with dairy because of the fact that the bacteria in those products will, will break down some of those inflammatory milk sugars. But I mean, it, rather than people eat the, the vegetables if they can, because um, I haven't seen like clear, like science on one way or not about the yogurts and the kefirs and all that. So I, I kind of ignore those. I don't count them as dairy as much as, you know, well, especially other with sugar content. Yeah, yeah. I guess we have to weigh the pros versus the cons. Are you getting yes. enough bacteria to out to outsource the sugar? Oh yeah, and and I'm all about you got to get the plain yogurt. Like if you're gonna do yogurt, add your own stuff in there. You know. I just had to quit eat, eating yogurt, and I found too a funny thing um, with my diet experience was when I was pregnant with my first one, I was so sick, so so sick, like IVs every two weeks, kind of thing. Sick. Ooh. Yeah. Um. Then my second pregnancy, well, technically his third pregnancy with Hallie, who turns two today, actually, oh. uh, she, I, I was so sick again. And I'm like, you know what? I don't eat dairy. Like dairy is a culprit for me. But when I get pregnant, I'm eating, drinking like the boosts and the Pediasures and, and those things. Let's just eliminate those and see. Yeah. Sure enough, I eliminated all the dairy out of my diet and I was fine ever since. So if you want like a million dollar anti-nausea thing, it's different for everybody. Yeah. In my case, it was the inflammatory foods making my pregnancy absolutely miserable. And with my first pregnancy, I mean, I was living off boost. I was trying to do pregnancy and, and med school at the same time and, and manage it all. And it was way too much. So take a look at those culprits. They can definitely cause all sorts of things. And that brings up a really good point is that everybody has different food sensitivities and I love the food sensitivity testing because I had a patient who 
we did her stool testing and she had all the, you know, had this terrible like overgrowth and bloating. She had a lot of gastrointestinal symptoms too, like bloating and diarrhea and then constipation. She kept going back and forth. And I wanted her to do the food sensitivity testing and she was really resistant because she didn't want to spend the extra money. And so I was giving her, um, we were trying to add more protein in her diet. And so we were doing it through protein powders. And I went with pea protein because the majority of times pea protein is not inflammatory. They use it a lot in a lot of autoimmune diseases. And so I was like, ah, oh, pea protein. And she kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, what is going on? So finally I was like, you got to do the food sensitivity testing. I got to see what's going on. So she did. And lo and behold, she had a food sensitivity to peas. She was fine with milk and dairy. So we just switched her to whey protein and like, she got better. So, you know, what lab company do you recommend for food sensitivities? You know what? So I, there's a lot of them out there. There are a lot of them out there. Um, a lot of times I'll go with vibrant wellness because it's easy for the patients to do because they just, you send it them a card that they can do it at home where this card is sent to them. They do a little uh, pin prick of their finger and then they put the blood spot spots on there. Um, and they can send it off and it doesn't require having to go to a lab. Um, so I, I tend to pick that one more often. I do like the Alcat testing, like their panels, but we weren't drawing blood in our office. So then sometimes it was a little bit harder for our patients to get the kits and then they'd have to take it someplace where they could have their blood drawn. But I know there, there are so many really wonderful companies out there. So yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Okay. We've talked about fixing the gut. We've talked about specifically H. pylori and how that can impact the vaginal health. Before we switch over to what would you do if you everything lost everything, give me the biggest tip you would give to people who have those reoccurring vaginal infections. What can they do right now? Yeah, the biggest thing right now is change your diet. Go for the anti-inflammatory diet, and then you could actually reset the vagina, reset the, the microenvironment of the vagina with two weeks of boric acid supplement suppositories. And these go boric, in the vagina. B-O-R. I see. Yeah, just do it two weeks in the vagina. Um, do not take it orally. It's not to ever, to, do not ingest it, do not swallow it, do not take it orally. It's for the vagina, helps to reset the pH of the vagina. And that works better than a lot of medic medications. So doing something, is this is. A liquid cream? What is it? They come in suppositories. There's multiple okay. ones out there. My favorite is one of the first commercially available brands on the market, which, because I used to have them have them made compounded by special pharmacies. Mm -hmm. And then there's a company called PhD Feminine Health. They make their boric acid. You can find it in pretty much anywhere, like Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, like any of the big box stores carry it. So. And that's, that's a secret. Nice. <laughs> that's my big secret. Reset your pH and then you're good to go. Just like one, one a day kind of thing. You do one at night for two weeks and for the majority cases that'll reset the pH, which once we, um, once we balance the pH in the vagina, that tends to rebalance the bacteria. And if it doesn't, then you really need to be make, making sure you, you see a doctor for further uh, evaluation, but that's something. And then what's nice about boric acid is whether it's yeast or bacteria that's present, it'll take care of both of them. 
because you think about yeast medicines are sold over the counter. And so anytime a woman gets like an itch or a burn or something a little funky below, they automatically go to the store and grab the yeast medication when in fact only about 20 to 25% of the time is it yeast. And more often it tends to be a bacterial infection. But the nice thing with like boric Might as well yeah. get both. And with boric acid, you don't really need to think about reset either way. All right. If you missed it. Yes. One boric acid supplement, the company, the brand name is PhD Feminine Health. You can take one of those suppositories at night for two weeks. Do it vaginally. Yes. Not any other way. Yes. Awesome. That is like a golden tip. Okay. Now, Dr. Betsy, if you were to lose everything, what would you do? You know, with my practice, I would definitely change how we did the business aspect of the practice. And I would offer more packages because I was in, oh gosh, insurance-based medicine, working for a hospital majority of the time. There was a, one time when I was in private practice um, and we were so used to in insurance doing those one-off visits. Like someone comes in, you, you build your insurance. So when I opened my cash-based business and I thought, this is brilliant, you know, what was happening in insurance is we start losing the appreciation for our health because we take it for granted because you're like, oh, I just use my insurance. So people aren't invested in actually doing the things. And I saw that time and time again, when people would come in, I spent all this time with them, like, here, this is what you're going to do to get better. And they come back like two weeks later, a month later, and I'm like, all right, have you done any of those things? And they're like, no. And then we kept doing this pattern. And so that was what it was like an insurance-based medicine. And I thought, oh, wait, if I charge cash, then people will be invested and they'll actually do the things I'm telling them to do. Because there's been studies that show that the more you pay for a gym membership, the more likely you are to exercise. So because you got some skin in the game. So I thought, this is great. I'll do it that way. But I was still stuck in that insurance mentality with these one-off visits. So Somebody would come in, they'd pay money to see me. And then I'd be like, okay, well, I need you to come back in two weeks or a month so that I can continue following you. And then all of a sudden they disappeared because they didn't want to pay that extra money to come in. And so then they would disappear, disappear, and then show up again, like three, four, five months down the road. And they're like, well, I paid you all this money. How come I'm not better? And I'm like, well, you didn't do any of the follow-up. You still didn't do any of the things I told you to do. So I found that that was like a horrible business model. So looking at packages, you can really get transformation. So you say like, hey, this is my three month, four month, six month year package. And this is what you get in the package. And you just bundle all the services that you would do because you, you pretty much get a pattern of what if you're seeing a certain type of case you kind of get the pattern of what that involves and what kind of care and you just add it all up and bundle it in a big package because if they pay for it all at once it's they're going to get change you know it's kind of like you know if you take a band-aid off all at once you get the band-aid off but if you take it off like a little bit at a time you're not really getting anywhere you know? yeah. <laughs> so yeah packages are huge moving away from the per visit type model and going into packages and, and as far as patient results, oh, oh you get better. so much better results. And those of you who are patients, you're like, I, want, I don't want to pay for the $6,000 package. Well, listen, you're going to get a better result for one. 
And two, um, it's all about the value of your health. Do you value your health enough to say yes to that practitioner? And you're going to end up paying more if you do these one-off visits. Oh my gosh. You think about it. You're you going to end up paying more if you don't do the package because you're going to yeah. suffer and yes. have to maintain and still, I mean, you'll pay more in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. You keep Definitely. Going down the route that you're going down. So you might as well change. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So if you're thinking, if you're a practitioner and you're doing this like one-to-one uh, pay per visit kind of model, trash it and create packages. If you need help, call me or email me. Okay, Dr. Betsy, she is a vaginal health and pelvic health specialist. You can join her summit at Happy Vagina. Why can I not say this word? Happy Vagina <laughs> Rally. There we go. And pelvicfloorstore.com. So we'll put the, put those links in the in the show notes below. But definitely check out that summit happening in this fall, fall of 2022. Thanks awesome. for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You heard it. Loads of gold on today's episode. Now it's your job to go out, create more impact, change more lives, and have more freedom and more income while you're at it. Need help reaching this? Come join us inside the 90-day program on October 4th at drkylieburton.com slash 90-day-program. This podcast is sponsored by my favorite supplement companies, Systemic Formulas and MyBiome. Come join me inside their private Facebook group for practitioners called Systemic Formulas Clinical Nutrition. All right, go out and change the world. I'm here to help. Dr. Kylie.